And we're in Romans chapter 10, and, and this is a, a, an issue of Paul speaking to the Jewish people, but well, really, when you roll it over and you really study it deeply, it's, he's talking to all of us, but he is telling the Jewish people that they are God's chosen people, and God had a purpose in their lives. But the purpose that he had for them has rolled over to us as well. And so he taught them the same thing he would teach us. He taught them that faith comes by trust in Christ alone, not by works. You don't have to live out the traditions that you're used to within the, the Torah and within all of, uh, of, of Judaism. It's, it's trusting in Christ and he alone. And then he went and, and reached out and he told them that, that the next thing he told them that we studied here in the 10th chapter is that they were to go out into the society in which they live and that they were to tell people about Jesus Christ. Go, tell. If you recall last week, we, we read out of the 10th chapter, it says in, let's say for instance in verse 11, it says, the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Verse 12, the scripture says, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. There's the same Lord. He is the Lord of all. And then in verse 13, and then he says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And you'll notice over and over and over, there is this emphasis on the Lordship, Lord Jesus Christ. Come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he, then he asks this rhetorical question, how then, verse 14, how will they call upon him who they've not believed? Then he says, how are they going to believe whom they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And then he said in verse 15, leading us to where we are today, verses 16, 17, and 18, then how are they going to hear unless they are sent? And then he says, how beautiful, verse 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. Well, today Paul is going to touch on the deeper basics of our faith. Today he's going to take us where Anthony in the music in and where we would all like to be. And that is, he's going to take us to not seeing Jesus Christ purely as your Savior, but seeing him as your Lord. And he uses one simple word to make his point. That's why studying the Bible, to me, is, is more fun than, than I deserve. Um, being able to sit home and, and to study the Word of God is just a, a treasure that you guys afford me. And I... There's no way I'll ever be able to thank you enough, ever be able to thank you enough for that privilege of studying the Word. Kay asked me the other day, my wife, if and when you retire, which I hope I don't have to, but I mean, sooner or later, I'm going to start to drool here any any minute here. You have to put a drooling tray down here. But when I, I, hopefully hopefully we'll all come to an agreement, you're over, it's done. No, let someone younger come. But that's fine with me, and that's a good thing. That's going to be a good thing for our church. But in the process, I would love to, to stay as long as you allow me, and, and as long as I can coherently teach the Word of God, and, and, and it works. But Kay asked, what do you want to do when you retire? Should we get rid of all the stuff and, and get rid of your computer and all of that? And I said, no. No, I, 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 I'll want to study every day like I do. I, I said to her, I, I wouldn't know what to do if I couldn't study. And that's what you've afforded me. You've, you've 
you've trained me into this horse, this, this horse that all he wants to do is like a milk, you know, like I guess like a, a horse that pulls a milk truck, but you wouldn't know that. You're not old enough, but there, there was a day where that horse is full of milk trucks, and I'm that horse. I'm not a thoroughbred. I'm not something that's going to run out and win a race, but by golly, I can put my head down and plow through the, the, the route and deliver all the milk, and, and that's, that's what I want to do. I just want to study the Word of God and what Paul is teaching us today is the deeper basics of our faith, which is what I love to teach. And he wants to teach on the lordship of Jesus Christ. You see, he's taken us to faith and faith in Christ alone. And then he's taken us to the place now, go and tell people about your Savior. Allow him to be your Lord. And it's said done through that one simple word that I was trying to tell you about in verse 16. It's the word heed. The word heed literally means to listen intently with great obedience. To listen intently with great obedience. You've afforded me the opportunity to teach the Word of God. I want you to know that I do that with all my heart. I don't cheat. I've never... I don't know how many years now I've been in pastoring, I guess since 86. I don't know. It's been a while. Uh, I cannot remember one week where I haven't, where I've cheated the Lord or the, or the congregation and not studied. I remember one time my wife and I were going to an affair, uh, a function at another church, and it was on a Saturday uh, night. And we went over there, and uh, the, the pastor was... Uh, was coming in, I knew him fairly well, and he was walking through the parking lot, and we were going to this uh, thing, uh, and uh, I won't tell you what church, and, and I won't tell you the pastor ever, but um, he had a, a, a quart of, of Diet Coke, I saw, I saw that vividly, and he had his Bible and a notebook, and he went, and we said, what you doing? He says, ah, I gotta go up to study. He says, church is in the morning, I gotta get my message. And I didn't say anything, and Kate didn't say anything. But later on, we sure did. She said, he's got to be kidding me. He's expecting God to teach him in a couple hours what he has to teach tomorrow morning? And you've been studying since Monday? You've spent how many hours on this message? I, don't, I said, I don't know, maybe 40. And he's going to plow it out in two hours or three hours? I've never done that to you. I never will. If I ever do, I'll tell you. I just didn't study this week. I'm sorry. I'll tell you straight up. That's my obligation to you, and that's my obligation to the Lord. Have you ever thought it through? You have an obligation to me, and you also have an obligation to the Lord. You know what it is? To come here ready to listen intently with obedience. In other words, church is not just a plaything. Church is a real thing. If we really understand and grasp that, we will never be stopped as far as our faith is concerned. And that's what Paul is trying to get us to. I love Paul. I absolutely love him. He pulls no punches. It wasn't important to Paul that he be popular. It wasn't important to Paul that people loved him. What was important to Paul is that he was obedient to the Lord, his God, in all that he did and all that he said and all that he taught. And you and I have the same obligation to the Lord. To heed. Now, Paul changes from this great note in, in chapter 10 from verse 1 to 15 of rejoicing. 
Salvation is grace. It is God's grace through faith and faith alone. And then salvation gives us the encouragement to, to go and tell others of our Lord. And now Paul brings us abruptly verse 16. And he takes us to a point of great sorrow. He reminds us what, uh, what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 53, the fifth verse. We'll talk about that in a moment. Read with me, please. Just verses 16, 17, and 18. My intent was to read from and to study from verse 16 to verse 21, but it was literally impossible. I couldn't, couldn't, I couldn't narrow it down to just to, to stop or to go any further than verse 18. And I think you'll see why in a moment. Verses 16, verses 17, and verse 18. Some of the most amazing verses in Scripture. However, that's a... That's not a good word. That, that's, that's a tough word because Paul is saying how, how blessed are, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. However, verse 16, they did not all heed the glad tidings. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. But I say, surely they have never heard, have they? He answers, indeed they have. Again, now he quotes out of the book of Psalms, King David, saying, their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Father, Help us to be the church that you've called us to be. Let us have fun. Let us laugh and, and, and when needed, cry. And let us rejoice in comfort. Let's do all the things that a church should do, friends and family, what we do for one another. But let us not ever forget our purpose, and that is to be conformed into the image of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we would be a people called by His name to go into the world. And may we heed what we learn. May we heed through obedience what we know. Now open up our eyes, dear Lord, so that we might behold wonderful things from Your law. And would You move me aside, Father, so that I do not hinder what You would want to say to any single one of us here this morning, myself included. Father, please teach us Teach us, help us to be the people you've called us to be. I thank you for this building. I thank you for these people. I thank you for good things, good things all. And now I ask you'll bless us, Father, as we study your word together. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Verse 16 is really a key verse. It's, it's hard to go by quickly. Paul says they did not all heed the glad tidings. And then Isaiah kind of chimes in. At least Paul uses Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, to say, Lord, who has believed our report? Now, in a moment, we're going to see what was, what was Isaiah's report. What was Isaiah's report that the people did not, did not heed it? Now, heed is the word H-U-P-A-K-O-U-O in the Greek. It means to listen intently and with great obedience. In other words, 
not just to hear, but to hear and to put into action what you know and what you learn. So we tragically see the offer of salvation, verse 15, that is proclaimed to all men of glad tidings is not heeded. I wrote this note to myself and I wanted to just say it to you. One of the great mysteries of life to me is the thought that so many people simply refuse to come to Christ for the forgiveness of their sin. Listen, when they're explained clearly the good news of Jesus Christ, it boggles my mind why someone would say no or not now. What perplexes me about that is that the options between heaven and hell are so extreme, so terrible is hell, and so wonderful is the free gift of God's grace of heaven that it, it amazes me that someone would say no. Now, I say that realizing that I was one of those somebodies who said no. My reasoning for saying no was couple. I didn't think I could live up to the standard of what I thought a Christian ought to be, which I didn't even know what that meant, but I didn't want to be a hypocrite, which I realize and recognize now all of us are hypocritical in one way or another. And the second thing I didn't want to do was quit sinning. I was having a ball. You see, I always get, I always get tickled over those preachers on the radio or whatever and says, oh, don't sin, it's terrible, it's no fun, it's blah, blah, blah. And I, I yell at the radio and say, oh, you should have been with me in Hawaii. It was a blast. <laughs> they would have changed their tune had they run with me a couple of nights. It's, it's just, it's, sin is, it, it's, it, it is, it is an amazing thing. But in time, it just engulfs you and, 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 and destroys a person. And that's what it was doing to me. So verse 16 makes it clear that God chooses not to exercise his absolute control over all human affairs. I thought I would mention this to you because contrary to the idea of divine determinism, in other words, God has already known everything's going to happen. Yes, he has, but does he manipulate you so that you either choose or don't choose? There's some that teach that. That's ultra-Calvinism if you understand what Calvinism really is. Glad tidings by God must be, taught in verse 16, it must be received by faith to those who hear it and to those who heed or are obedient to what they hear. Only lopsided and unbiblical theologies put everything on either God's side or man's side. No, true salvation, true salvation comes and demands two things. It demands God's call through the gospel that is preached. That is in verses 13 and 14. Go and preach. How are they going to preach? How are they going to believe if they not heard? How are they not going to hear it unless you send them? That's God's call. That's for us. Go and preach. The second demand is our or mankind's positive response to the gospel. Verse 16. You see, inherent in God's eternal plan is your and my obedient to him through faith. We are to heed God's call through God's preachers. We are to listen intently to, as it says in verse 16, 17, the word of Christ, and then we are to be obedient to his call upon our lives. That's called lordship. Not just savior, 
but Lord, allowing Jesus Christ to become who he truly is, yours and my Savior and Lord. Lord. To be saved is to truly submit yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Make no, make no what? Uh, mistake about it. That was not the word I was looking for. It's like our kids, you know. It's, it's like when you're raising children, you, 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 give them, you give them parameters. You give them things that they are to do and things that they are not to do. And the things that they are not to do, they'll be able to do when they get older. But you give them these parameters to help them mold them into the individual that God wants them to be. And, and that's part of parenthood. It's part of teaching your children. It's, it's part of setting boundaries so that they can understand what it means to be obedient and, and follow the family's rules, for instance. Listen, our Lord demands obedience. You need to understand that. That, that needs to be preached, and it's not enough from pulpits. Jesus Christ himself attested to that. Look, when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says you cannot serve, what, two masters. Why do he say that? He says, well, either you're going to hate the one and you'll love the other, or you're going to hold on to the one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, he said. Mammon meaning money, but really meaning the world. You cannot do both. You've got to choose. Whom will you serve? Was it Joshua that said that, right? Well, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was a decision of obedience. Listen, to have one spiritual father is to have one spiritual Lord. I want to teach you that this morning. I want, I want to make it crystal clear in your heart, in my heart, when we walk out of here, how, how intensified it is when God says, you must love my son. You must love him, and you must be obedient. I want you to turn with me. Hold your place here. Turn with me to John chapter 8. Why did I say about drooling? All of a sudden, my nose is running like the Mississippi River. <laughs> Lord's going to say it's quicker and sooner than you think, big guy. <laughs> John chapter 8. Hold your place here in, in Romans. We'll come back. But John chapter 8, we're going to take a little while. In John chapter 8, Jesus came upon some who claimed to love him. Claimed to love God, really, not him. But they, they said that they believed in him. But there was no lordship. There was no lordship in their lives towards either God the Father or God the Son. In John chapter 8, starting with verse 31, Jesus was saying to the Jews, now when it says... When any time, and I've said this to you before, just so you'll, when you're studying, you'll know, when it says those Jews, it's talking about the religious leaders. Not, it's not talking about the nation. It's talking about the religious leaders, the, the religious leaders of the Jewish people. But listen to what it says in verse 31. It says, saying to those Jews who had believed him. Okay, wow, believed him. If you continue in my word, he says, then you are truly disciples of mine. Verse 32 and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now they answer contrary to what he just said. They answered, claiming to be free, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never yet been enslaved to anyone. That's an out-and-out -out lie. They just literally lied to the Lord right in front of his face. So they say, how is it that you say you'll become free? 
Jesus doesn't even answer that. He says, truly, verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. And a slave does not remain in the house forever. The son, talking about himself, does remain forever. So if the son is going to, verse 36, if the son is going to make you free, then you will be free indeed. Then he says to them, answering them about being Abraham's descendants, he said to them in verse 37, I, I know that you're Abraham's descendants. He got back to that point. Yet you seek to, wait a minute. It says up in 31, they believed him, yet he says, you seek to kill me. Which is it? These are the guys who said they believed Jesus. And they seek to kill him because, note, this is really important. My word has no place in you. My word has no place in you. Verse 38, I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore you also do the things which you heard from your father. And boy, what he does there in verse 38 is he separates these people into two camps. His camp, his father, his family, their camp, their father. And we're going to learn who their father is shortly. And boy, is he going to make them angry. So immediately Jesus separates them from being his family into another family, calling it their family. Verse 39, they take attack. They go after him. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, well, if you're Abraham's children, then do the deeds of Abraham. In other words, be obedient to what Abraham did. But as it is, verse 40, you're seeking to kill me. You're seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I have heard from God, he says. This Abraham never did. Abraham never sought to kill me. You're doing the deeds of your father. Again, he separates them off. They said to him, we're not born of fornication. We have but one father, God. You know what they just did? They just accused Jesus' virgin birth. They just accused him, who is your dad? <laughs> the rumor is you've born a virgin. Yeah, yeah, right, you're a virgin birth. Baloney, who's your father? Jesus doesn't even defend himself in that. He says in verse 42, If God were your father, you would love me. I proceed forth and I've come from God. I've not even come on my own initiative. He sent me. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? He says in verse 40, 43, and here's the answer to that question. It's because you can't hear my words. They've not responded to his word. That's why here at, the, at our church, this is critical to you and me. I'm, I'm ruining this Bible. This is critical to you and me. This is what you and I need to hear, not my words. That's why I ask every time, Father, get me out of the way. Get me out of the way. Let the people hear what, what, what needs to be said out of this so that you and I can respond to this truth, not, not this truth. Now, by the grace of God, I'm hoping and praying that this truth is equal to this truth. But I quote out of here in case I make any mistake so that you follow this and not this. This is the truth. So they, they, they didn't get it. They just didn't. They didn't hear his word. 
And ultimately, they didn't hear because, verse 44, and this really upset them. Here he tells them who's their father. You are of your father, verse 44, the devil. My gosh, what an indictment to these people. Because he says you want to do the desires of your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks it from his own nature. That's, that's who he is. He is a liar and he is the father of lies. Listen, what Jesus Christ taught in verse 8 is there is no middle ground. Dr. J. Vernon McGee uses a statement, you're either a saint or you ain't, but the truth of the matter is there's only two camps. There's only the camp that are of the Father, God, or the Father of those who do not want to come to God, and that is the devil. It's only camps there are. There aren't a lot of religions out there. There are not. There is either a believer and follower of God the Father through his his provision for salvation, that is his Son, our Savior and our Lord, or not. And so in verse 44, Jesus Christ tells them that since God is not your Father and you don't therefore love me, Jesus said, then your Father is the devil. See, Jesus Christ clearly said in verse 42, if God were your Father, you would have loved me, but you don't. And then he tells them later in chapter 10 of the book of John, I and the Father are one. In other words, we're the same. We're the same. God the Father and God the Son do not exist in parts. And because these men in John chapter 8 verse 42 did not have God as their Father, therefore they did not love Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord and therefore, they put themselves into the camp of their father, the devil. That's a, that's a rash statement. I want you to know, the more I study the Word of God, and I'm certain it's true with you too, the more Christianity and our faith, the more I realize that our faith is not a part-time deal. This isn't, this isn't dress rehearsal. This is it. This is our Super Bowl. This is our seventh game in the World Series. This is the moment of moment in your life and my life. We don't have a dress rehearsal. This is it. That's what Anthony was saying. This is as serious as we should be about our faith. Simply put, we are to heed Listen intently and become obedient to the word of Christ. In verse 16, when Paul quotes Isaiah, here I'll get to the point, but I wanted at the very first, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. When Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? Isaiah in, 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 verse, in chapter 53, verses 5 and 6, speaks of the report of the suffering, dying and resurrected Savior, Messiah. It says in verse 5, listen, listen to these fabulous words, words written by Isaiah. He, the Messiah, was pierced through for our transgressions, for our sins. He was crushed for our iniquities, for our 
wrongdoings, our sin, the chastening for our well-being fell upon him, not on us. And by his scourgings are you and I healed. Now I've heard so many say, healed from sickness, healed from... No, that's not at all what Isaiah is talking about. He's talking about sin, healing from iniquities, sin, transgressions. Look at the next verse, or listen to the next verse, verse 6. For all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us, that's disobedient by the way. Each of us has turned to his own way. Disobedience by the way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity, our sin, to fall on him. Isaiah is saying, who has believed that report? The port which Isaiah and Paul speaks of here in verse 16 is the glad tidings of the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ came, lived, was crucified, died, was buried, and rose from the dead to give you and me life forevermore. That's the news. That's the report that the people did not heed. And so when John says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life. And then it goes on to say in the next verse, which we kind of push aside, God didn't send His Son, it says, into the world to judge us. No, He sent Him in the world so that we should be saved through him. And then the next verse is because of the people, like in, John, in Romans 10 16, who did not heed the good report that was spoken of in Isaiah and in, in Romans. It goes on to say in verse 18 of John chapter 3, then he who does not believe has been judged already. In other words, God doesn't have to judge us, we judge ourselves guilty. Because we have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's the gospel. So, let's go back to Romans chapter 10. Summarizing what was said from verses 1 through 16, Paul declares in verse 17, what is faith? Faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. Christ. Man, do I love verse 17. It is like highlighted in my, well, I got so much highlighted in my Bible, but it is like a red, I got a star on it. I mean, I love Romans 10, 17 because take a good hard look at it and note, salvation comes through faith. Not some vague mystery. Not some many religions. There are not many ways to God as some would like to preach. There's but one way. God has Declared but one way. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. You, do, you can't come to the Father except through me. Why would he say something as brash as that if there were many ways? What is he? Uh, is he crazy? No. The only way faith comes is by hearing the word of Christ. That's why shame on churches that don't preach the gospel. Don't preach the Bible. Don't preach what God has called every pastor to preach. Now, I, I've, I've, I mean, I've, I've listened to Chuck Swindoll, who is one of my favorite of all preachers, and I've never heard anybody teach topically as beautifully as he does. That's a gift from God. 
But for the most part, you listen to John MacArthur, you listen to, uh, uh, what's his name, Alistair Beggs, uh, you listen to old Chuck Swindoll, God bless him, boy, I'd trade places with you right now, Chuck. Um, you listen to, to, uh, to guys that really, McGee, listen, what do they do? They don't tell you about social stuff, they tell you about the Word of God. And that's it, because that's what gives you and me life. That's what gives you and me growth. That's what gives you and me salvation. It's, it's everything. And when we understand, when that is really proclaimed, then we see Jesus Christ for who he truly is. And that is our Savior, but also our Lord. And you and I do not have the right to say, uh, no, I don't think so, Lord. No, when he tells us and wants us to do something, our response is obedience obedience. To proclaim the saving message of Jesus Christ is a central purpose in your life and my life. It's, 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 it's to live it out. The purpose of evangelism for those who are evangelists is not to use human persuasion or clever devices to manipulate confessions of faith. No, we are to faithfully proclaim the word of Christ, which then the Holy Spirit will bring conviction, and ultimately the Holy Spirit will get us up out of our seats and walk forward or kneel down or just pray for salvation. And then it becomes real. Then it becomes real. In my life... It was important for me to make a decision for Christ because then and there he became my Lord, not just my Savior. And I sold my, my life out for him. I had no idea what that meant. <clears throat> I still don't. But I have sold out my life for him. All, all I have... All I'm asked to be is obedient to what I learn. That's it. You know what's tragic about so many churches? As I hear it, I don't know for a fact, but I have heard way too many people say, look for a church, went to a different church. They don't ask you to bring your Bible. If they do, they read a verse and then that's it. And then they go off on some tangent. And then they call people to trust in salvation and the people trust in someone or something, but they really don't know anything about them because they've not been properly taught the word of Christ. Let me show you how Paul attacked that. Remember verses 1 and 2 of this chapter? This is why studying the Bible is so much fun like we do. Let's go back to chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. He says, My heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. But what's the problem? He says in verse 2, I bear witness that they have a zeal for God. I mean, they've got this burning zeal for God. They go to church every week, but not in accordance with what? Knowledge. They don't have a clue what they're believing in. They don't have a clue who Christ is, Paul is saying. They believed in God, but they didn't have an idea of the word of Christ. We must preach the word of Christ. You must understand what it is that you believe in. You don't want to have faith in faith. You want to have faith in your Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. 
So faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of Christ. Now, watch verse 18. Watch how it's universal. Again, Paul asks, which he is bent to do here in Romans, a rhetorical question. In other words, he already has the answer. He says, I say surely, verse 18, they have never heard, have they? Well, the answer is, yeah, yeah, they have. They're, and now he quotes uh, King David out of Psalms 19, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Indeed, they heard, their voice has gone out into all the earth. Their words have gone out into the ends of this world. What is Paul say, saying here? He is saying that King David understood like Abraham did, like Isaiah did, like all the Old Testament prophets did, that God's call was a universal call to all people everywhere to come and to believe in him. And so David boldly proclaims in Psalms 19.4 that the word of God has already gone out. That's past tense. It's already out there unto the whole earth. Everyone's heard. Listen to what David says in Psalms 19 verses 1 and 2. And it fits right in with what Paul is saying in Romans chapter 1. It's, it's, it's Paul's introduction Listen to what David says, Psalms 19.1. The heavens are telling of the glory of God. In other words, just look up. You'll see God. Just look. You've got to see that someone greater than, than everybody made all of this. The expanse of the heavens are declaring the work of God's hands. Day to day pours forth speech. In other words, just look around. How do you deny that there's a God? The speech pours forth from day to day. And night to night, look at the heavens and the stars and all that. It reveals a knowledge. That's what David said in Psalms 19, 1 and 2. That's the same theme that Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 31. He said, those try to suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They, he said, those, they, they knew about God. It was evident within them. God made it evident to them. His, his, individual, his invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature has been clearly seen so that they are without excuse. Those who deny there's a God, they're without excuse. And so the Old Testament, Psalms 19, as well as the New Testament, Romans chapter 1, reveals that there has been creation. That is the natural or the common revelation. That is not to look up in the skies, you don't see the Messiah. That's why Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17, there is a personal acceptance. We've got to go and tell. And what do we go and tell them? That faith will come by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of Christ. Go and tell them of the Bible. And those who refuse to trust in Christ do so because they suppress the truth. They know better, but they do not want to heed. They don't listen intently, and they don't wish to obey. You see, the, the way of salvation, what, what Paul is teaching here, is the way of salvation. I'm not sitting long enough, am I? The way of salvation has been universal. It's not some local invention. 
It's not some pagan mystery religion. It's not cults. It's, there's but one way to God. And God has set that tone. The good news of salvation has always been, always been out there. Always. Listen to Jeremiah. He says, you will seek me and you will find me. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13. You'll seek me and you will find me when you search for me with, oh I forgot, what is it? Yeah, all I didn't forget. I just wanted to see if you knew. When you seek with me, for me with all of your heart. See, Christianity's, um, it's real. It's real. It's not some easy believism. It's an opportunity to give your heart and your soul to the Lord and live for Him. Now, I don't watch you as you go from here, and you don't watch me. But I'll tell you who does watch me, the Lord. And it is my desire to listen to what He tells me intently and to be obedient. Father, help us to uh, hear and heed. Paul's serious, very serious with the, the Jewish people he's talking to and us as well. And I hope that we uh, captured, Father, his seriousness of, of salvation. It's a wonderful, wonderful privilege to know you. Let us not, any of us, take it lightly. I pray this in Jesus' precious, precious name. Amen.